Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 6 today. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6. I'm going to uh, hopscotch a little bit through the 6th chapter of Joshua so that um, so just in the interest of time. You're welcome. Uh, I would encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter, okay? Um, Now, the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out, but the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each one carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Now, there there are many, this is just an aside, but there are many people um, that believe that the walls of Jericho didn't just crumble into heaps, but they actually went straight down into the ground so that they could go straight into, uh, into the city and begin the battle um, unencumbered by the rubble. All right, So they didn't just collapse, they disappeared straight down instead of over. 15, uh, on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before, but this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Now, verse 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. And suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Now verse 25 is the last that we'll read today. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies. Uh, Joshua sent to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now, not this day, but... It was 3,500 years ago or so when this was written. And uh, at the time of, of uh, the writing of this book, she was still, she and her family and her descendants were still living uh, among the Israelites. And as a matter of fact, you can look in the genealogies that are in, the, in uh, the genealogy of Jesus and you will find Rahab as one of his uh, ancestors. That's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool little Christmas concept, right? So, um, let me, let me tell you a few things today. So first of all, before I forget this, I heard, I heard Jeff say, he's just wandering around, he's just wandering around the cities, the villages, and just looking and praying and asking God what's next. And he finds a need, and he goes and fills it, 
and the people see what he's doing and they say, hey, something's different about you. Why don't you tell me what you're doing and why you're doing it? He gets a chance to share that and they become believers as well. Seems like a good way to do church. I get disturbed. This ain't part of the message, so y'all press pause on the timer. Um, I get concerned sometimes because we get really excited in the American church about the work of missionaries around the world. And, and, and we, get, we encourage them to go and do the things that they're doing. But then when you look at our model of doing church, it is completely different from what they're doing. Why are we so excited about them doing the work of Christ the way Christ did the work? And then we do it completely different. Okay? So just this week, don't get overwhelmed. Just the next seven days, as you're wandering around whatever village you're a part of, why don't you wander around in prayer? Don't close your eyes. But in prayer, asking God to show you who to minister to, what to do, what they need. Go fill the need. Call if you need some help. And then see if by doing the good works, God won't glorify himself. I think I read that somewhere. And just see if God won't turn the American church, and most importantly, America, on its head. All right? Because we are a missionary venture, just like every other church everywhere else. Okay? So, all right, you can unpause, unpause as my kids say now. All right, so if you've been around the church uh, any, any, for, for more than a couple of times in the last two years, you've probably heard the, the term the Jericho Project. This scripture is where the Jericho Project came from. And so I want us to take a little bit of time today because I want to share with you a really exciting next step. Um, but I need to make sure that everybody understands where we came from, what we're doing, and why we're doing it. All right, because I, but as one of our core values is, uh, the why is as important as the what. So I want you to understand what's, what's going on and, um, and, and what we're doing. So 10 years ago, we purchased this commercial property that's next door, these, these uh, white buildings that are next door. Uh, we purchased those. Really, we bought the parking lot, and they gave us the buildings free uh, because we were already parking on the parking lot anyway, and it didn't belong to us. So about half of you parked on that parking lot today when you came in. So we were glad that we were able to purchase it in 2011 for really almost nothing. All right, um, the the buildings are decades old. If you've never had the chance to be in there, there, and if you haven't had the chance, don't go in unguided. All right, <laughs> there are holes where floors used to be, so don't just go busting up in there. But they are decades old. Um, it dates back to at least the 40s and 50s, where it was a textile mill. Uh, somebody actually gave me a picture of everybody standing in front of it in 1956 or something. Uh, all dressed up for work as they did in those days. Um, so it, it's been quite a while. When I became the lead pastor here in 2012, we, we knew God had given us those buildings for something. And we set about trying to discern what it was. Now, there's plenty of things it could be. What we were trying to discern is what, what, what did they have to be? What was it that God was saying uh, he wanted done? Not just a good thing, but a God thing. So we prayed, we sought, we planned, we tried different things, and nothing ever quite got traction. Around the fall of 2018, um, I heard a Pastor Bruce Deal of the City of Refuge in Atlanta share about a ministry that they had just started a few years before uh, in, in ministering to women who had been trafficked and exploited for sex. 
And it was in that moment that it was that God moment. I knew that that was the issue that, that not only could we get involved with, we had to get involved with. Okay? And so I came back, I shared it with our, with our council, we shared it with you guys, and everybody sort of agreed that this was the cause that God was calling us for, that we believed he had graced us for. And yet, the property next door was, a, was such a gargantuan task that it was a little intimidating to figure out what to do, because we had tens of thousands of square feet of dilapidated old buildings with asbestos and lead-based paint. And we were trying to figure out what we were supposed to do with all of that. So in November of 2019, God made it very clear to me that it was time for us to start. I didn't know start what or where or how, but I knew it was time to start. And in December of 2019, almost two years ago today, uh, I presented to you what, what's become known as the Jericho Project. Now, um, one of the things that we've wanted to do around here for years is to use this property to be a blessing to our neighbors, to our community. We, I love it when I pull up during the week and I see kids playing on the playground. I see, I see teenagers shooting basketball. I see parents sitting around on the, on the um, picnic tables and just enjoying the property. I think a church should be a blessing to the community in which it's planted. All right, So I, I, I know churches that run people off, <laughs> uh, but I, I want people to come. And I want this to be a blessing. One of the things that, I, that uh, we've been talking about for years um, is that we've got seven acres here, right here in the heart of Bremen. And we would like to create a walking track so that the neighbors can come and walk and, and just enjoy the property. All right, So we've been looking for uh, something to, to uh, a time and an opportunity to be able to do that. Um, we also knew that due to the age and condition of the buildings next door, that the buildings were going to have, some of the buildings were going to have to come down uh, because of water damage and age and all kinds of things. And then finally, as of 2018, we also knew that, that it was time for us to get involved in this issue of sexual exploitation and trafficking. And there's lots of reasons why this is not just a global issue, but a local issue as well, which we don't have time to talk about today. Now, in the passage we just read in Joshua, um, God told Israel that in order for them to take the city of Jericho, they were going to have to circle the entire property. Isn't that what he said? Walk around the city, do a perimeter of the city. For them, it was going to be 13 times. And on the 13th, 12 of them were to be in silence. On the 13th and final time, they were to shout at the top of their lungs in victory that God had given them the city before the wall ever fell. All right. So, but, but conquering the city was not their only objective. It was their military objective because this was the first city to, to, to fall in, uh, in the promised land. It was not just a military objective. They had a special mission that, that Joshua sent two of his guys to Rahab's house to, to protect and remove her and her family uh, because she was a local prostitute that his two spies had gone to for protection, for shelter, for information as they did recon in the city before they started the military campaign. So here's why it's called the Jericho Project. We believe that God gave us this plan to, to mimic what um, the, the people of Israel did in taking the city of Jericho. First of all, we're going to circle this property in prayer. We're going to circle the property in prayer. Now, not only does not that reflect our desire to do this walking track where, where I hope people can come and walk and not just get exercise, but pray and spend time with the Lord. 
it's also an understanding that it's going to take a season of focused prayer before the vision comes to pass. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody understands that that battles are won in the spiritual before they're ever manifested, before the victory is ever manifested in the physical. Okay? So any battle that we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So any battle that we face is not a battle against humanity, it's a battle against the spirit world. And so if we're going to win in the, in the physical, we have to fight in the spiritual. And so that fighting is done through prayer. And so uh, we're going to circle this project, circle this property in prayer. Uh, I promise you, as the people of uh, Israel were walking around Jericho 13 times, they were praying. They were praying because those walls were thick and these people were fierce and they had a reputation and they were, they were throwing things over the wall as they were going around and, and it was a challenge, but they knew that they were going to do what God had called them to do with God's help. And so that's what we're doing. We're going to circle the property in prayer. Second thing is we know that these buildings have physical walls, uh, but we also know that it's a spiritual battle. And we're going to do what they did. We are going to worship the walls down. We're going to worship the walls down. We're going to worship the Lord as if those, walls, uh, those buildings are already gone. We're going to praise him for what he's about to do, not just for what he has done. Okay, so we're going to circle the property in prayer. We're going to worship the walls down. And then third and most importantly, we have got to get about the business of rescuing the Rahabs. We've got to rescue the Rahabs. Um, for us, that means the men, the women, the children who are caught in, um, in the world of sex trafficking and exploitation. 90% of those who are caught in, according to the research, 90% of those who are caught in this lifestyle want to get out. They want to get out. And they want to get out because they were either kidnapped against their will or because they were deceived um, or sold out by a member of their family. Uh, about 60% of the, of the people who are, in, who are being trafficked now were, uh, were sold out by a friend or family member. Okay, so it's not just the kidnapping on the street that freaks everybody out and gets everybody's attention. Most of the time, it's, uh, it's a friend or a family member that sets them up. Okay? So most of the people who are in that life, the vast majority, want to get out. There, it is the third largest criminal enterprise in the world. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. Uh, there are currently more people enslaved on this planet right now than at any other time in human history. It is a scourge against humanity, and it's all over the world. Many of the victims are underage. They're under the age of 18. The average age of entry into this life is age 12. Many of them are much, much younger than that. Uh, according to the, to the statistics from a, a place in Texas called The Refuge that houses minors who've been rescued, they, they say that there are only 600 beds in the entire country to, uh, to house minors who've been rescued from trafficking. 600 in this country. Um, compared to 13,000 animal shelters who have multiple spaces for those animals, we only have, we, we've only been able to find 600 places for our children compared to the tens of thousands who are currently being trafficked um, in, our, in our country and the millions around the world. Now, it's hard to find accurate information about the number of, of beds that are available for adult 
uh, for adults who've been rescued, but it's pretty dismal as well. And when you add in the, um, the complication that many of these women also have children and the, the, the number of beds that are available for women to be housed and rehabilitated with their children who've also sometimes been trafficked but have always been also traumatized to be able to keep that family unit together, um, there's even less spaces in the country uh, for that. So it is an incredible need. Um, that, we, that we're facing. So we, it's, we have to res- be part of the team that rescues the Rahabs. And it's not just rescuing them. There's no, we could go, there are people who could go in and literally like rescue them, take them from the traffickers, but then what are you going to do with them? All right? These are people who have been, in some cases, for years kept away from anything and everything else. They don't know anything else. They've been torn down mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. They've got to be rebuilt one brick at a time, and it takes very, very special kind of people who can do that. So it's important when we understand, when we talk about rescuing the Rahabs, it's not just sending in the SEAL team to go get them out. You have to rebuild them brick by brick. All right? So here's what we're calling the Jericho plan. Circle the property in prayer. Worship the walls down and rescue the Rahabs. We started this a couple of years ago along with what we call the Jericho Prayer. And uh, we've revised that slightly in the last couple of years because of the progress we've been able to make. So here's the Jericho Prayer that I'd like to invite you to pray with me. And we're going to pray it together at the end of the service. It is an acrostic for the word Jericho. The first is that Jesus is glorified in everything that we do. Because if this is not first about him and his kingdom and his work, then, then we're building a kingdom for ourselves. Okay, So we're pr- our prayer is that Jesus is glorified in everything. Uh, the E is that every uh, Rahab, every trafficked person is rescued and restored. Every one of them. We pray that God raises up rescuers. We pray that God raises up uh, people for restoration and to do the hard work of discipleship in their life. Uh, The R is that we receive every resource we need for the project. That we every dollar, uh, every connection, all the favor that we need, the permits, the wisdom, the knowledge, everything that we need to carry out this project, that God will provide that for us. Uh, the I is that the, the tithes and offerings increase here in the local church. You're like, John, that sounds a little selfish. It's not selfish at all. If this is an important project, an important outreach ministry of our church, what happens to it if our church goes under? Right? So we've got to make sure we maintain a strong church in order to maintain strong outreach opportunities from the church. And, and God has been faithful in the last two years. The last, and you'll see this when I do the state of the church address after the first of the year. This has been the best two years that we've ever had in the history of our church financially in the last two years as we've been praying the, the, the Jericho prayer. He's provided. He's provided. Um, and we've been able to move forward with the project. The C is that we celebrate the victory before a single wall falls. We celebrate it like it's already happened because that's what faith is. And then the, uh, the H is harmony and humility in the church that we have to have unity. We have to be singularly focused on what it is that God is doing. We have to be together. We have to be in harmony. We have to be humble. And there's no division. There's, no, no, there's not more than one vision. There's only one. There's no division. And then the last one is that God will overwhelm us 
uh, for his work, for him, for his work, and for his people. This is difficult work. Okay, this is we get all excited about it, um, but when these ladies get here and we're ministering to them and they're among us and we're trying to we're trying to volunteer and just be a part of their lives and and it just in the short time that I've been a part of uh, of the House of Cherith and dealing with this issue, I know that they've lost two women who have uh, gotten a weekend pass. They've done well in their program. They, they earned a weekend pass. They went home. They fell back into their previous, uh, their previous uh, connections and, f- and friends, um, and they wound up overdosing and passing away. Um, it happens. It, it, it generally takes seven times, seven times before it takes, seven times for a woman to come out of that or to go into a program um, and to quit and to leave and to come back and to quit and leave and come back. It takes about seven times before it takes, on average, on average. Sometimes it's first time and it works and she lives a great life. But most of the time it's the hard work of grace and mercy and forgiveness. So our hearts are going to be broken. All right? Our hearts are going to be broken in the work of the Lord. And we have to be overwhelmed with passion. Passion is the only thing that's going to keep us committed to this. All right, so that's the Jericho prayer. And, and we actually had people come and, and, and walk the property and pray. And, and we're going to pray together here in just a minute. And, and God has provided. Now, soon after we started the project, God laid it on our hearts to do, uh, to do what he told Moses at the Red Sea. And what did he say? He said, use what's in your hand. Moses said, man, look at this big issue I'm facing. What am I supposed to do? It seems overwhelming. God said, what's that in your hand? And so uh, in, the, in the spring of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, God asked the same question of us. What's that in your hand? What do you have currently? Because we looked at this big hot mess over here and went, man, that is a whole lot of money before we can start doing this. And, and God said, no, but, but what do you have available? And so uh, we contacted the House of Cherith in Atlanta and uh, the, ministry, the ministry that uh, was launched from the City of Refuge and, um, and the, the House of Cherith helps women to, uh, to rescue, they rescue them, they help them to reclaim their dignity, they help them to uh, renew their hope, and to rekindle their passion for life, because many of these women are just done by the time they get rescued, okay? So we worked with the House of Cherith in Atlanta to create a first-of-its-kind partnership um, that, that will allow us to house seven women here on our campus. We've spent the last year... Um, renovating our education building, creating bedrooms, showers, restrooms, everything that they will need uh, to be housed here in a phase two long-term program, 12 to 18 months. They'll live here uh, in a secure facility that's part of our education building. Uh, The plan is to move in furniture next Monday. And then the last I heard, the plan was to have ladies begin to be placed here um, by mid-December. So we're really, really, really close. All right, really close. <laughs> that was never part of the plan, okay? That was one of those God-inspired, pandemic-driven God moments that he opened up the opportunity for. Uh, so that's just about done. So you understand our position here is that we're the landlords. We, we prepared the place, and now the, the focus shifts to the house of Cherith to come in and provide the, the uh the programming, the ministry, all of that shifts to them. Now it's time for us to shift our focus back to the other side of the property, and that's these buildings next door. 
Part of what's taken so long for us to move forward here is not just the size of the buildings, and there's just tens and tens of thousands of square feet of building next door, but it's also the hazmat that has to be removed. And as we've worked with environmental companies to get bids, what we understood was that they would need to do all of the whole building all at one time, and then and and when we got the quote on that, that was one hundred and forty thousand dollars. Just and the buildings wouldn't change; they wouldn't look any different. It's just the hazmat would be removed, and then it would be another quarter million or more to demo and remove and haul off. So we're we're looking at you know what almost four hundred thousand, close to half a million dollars to to get those things abated and removed. And that was before the, uh, the inflation that's hit our country in the last year or so, all right? So it was a daunting task. Uh, here's what we'd like to do. We would like to be able to give the House of Cherith the entire Coley building, the whole thing. Now, right now, we've reserved the old sanctuary, three of the classrooms for our kids' ministry to function. Uh, so so that's, that's where they are now. Uh, the basement, the top floor, the second level up there, uh, there are two office spaces, and there's what we call the loft where our student ministry meets. Those will be shared spaces. So we'll be able to continue to do student ministry up there and also be able to use those office spaces for some small groups, um, but it's going to be shared space between us and the HOC. All right. If, if we were able to give them the whole building, that would more than double what they're able to do. Um, and I'll tell you why. So I've already talked with, with Kelsey um, the House of Cherith Executive Director, she's already working on a plan. So we've got this old sanctuary there. The ceilings are, are super tall, super tall. Uh, you could actually put a whole nother floor. You could make it two stories in there. As a matter of fact, my office is currently at the back of what was the sanctuary on the second floor. So there's plenty of room for that. At least I think so. So that, that's pending, you know, engineers and construction guys. But we believe that's a, that is a possibility. So that would be a huge, that's a ton of space for them to come in and to add bedrooms, to add uh, office space, counseling space, medical facilities, uh, everything that they need to do what it is that they do. Now, at their main campus in Atlanta, they have a salon there for, for them to get their hair fixed right there on campus. Um, they have a boutique there for them to go and shop for brand new clothes because these women have been systematically torn down to believe that they are worthless. So people have asked me, can we bring used clothes? And, and they don't do that because it's part of the therapy for them to believe and understand that they are worth new clothes, new hairstyle, all of those things. Is it more expensive? Yes, but it's part of rebuilding these women brick by brick. Okay, so if we are able to give them the whole building, then they would not have, once these ladies are here, they don't have to go back to Atlanta for anything. Okay, and that's the goal. Now, in order to do that, we've got to have a place to put our kids and our students, right? So one of the big obstacles that we've had is when, when people come to our church, guests come to our church, and they have kids, we start to tell them about kids' ministry, and we're like, yes, it's just across the parking lot in that separate building with people you've never met. <laughs> We don't pitch it like that, but the, these little mamas, mamas figure it out pretty quick. They're like, no, I'm not taking my kid across the parking lot to a separate building with people I've never met. So uh, it hinders what we're able to provide for these families. Now, I mean, we get it. We understand the hesitation, but we can't move the buildings closer. So we're doing the best we have with what we got. And eventually, as they stay, they, they recognize we're relatively nice people, safe people, and, 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 and we're able to do that. So um, we got to figure out 
what to do. Which brings me to why I'm really excited about sharing all of this with you. So uh, this is probably a great question to ask post-Thanksgiving. Um, how do you eat an elephant? Some like, well, if y'all have been here like Thursday, you'd have seen me eat half an elephant. Um, <laughs> how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And that's what we've been trying to do for almost 10 years is to get a bite size of this project next door. We thought we'd have to do it all at one time. We thought the first bite was $140,000 pre-inflation bite. Um, we've recently been given a bid uh, for a bite, not the whole thing, but for these two buildings that are next door to us. Now, that's, that's this building right here that everybody goes, oh, that'd be a cool coffee shop except that we ain't in the business of running a coffee shop, all right? So it's this, this little building right here and then the buildings that are immediately to my left. Um, we are using one of those buildings for storage um, and then the building behind, or the, the room behind that is part of the same building. It's what I affectionately refer to as the mold room. There are, you know, like maybe 20 different kinds of mold known to man. There are 23 different kinds growing in that building next door. So um, th there's just, it's just, you just have to kind of see it to appreciate it. Um, so we, we have a bid for uh, abating the hazmat that's there, for demoing those, for hauling that off, uh, and that is $57,000, not $157,000, $57,000 to do that in a, just in, a, in the next right bite-sized chunk. So that means as you're driving up to drop your loved ones off under the awning or as you're walking up to, uh, to go to church, then when you look to your right, you will not see those uh, buildings that you're wondering when they're going to fall. Um, they will already be gone. We'll take them down to the slab, and the bid is $57,000. So um, it would be a, a huge, huge improvement to the appearance of our church, um, but more importantly, it's a step in the right direction for the future of our church and the future of the Jericho Project. So here's a question. Um, it, it, does that take care of our need for kids and student ministry building? No, it does not. So like we wipe those things out, there's not going to be a building sort of magically sprout um, from the slabs that we leave, but it's the next right step, right? That's got to happen until we can move forward and what we're hoping is we're able to use the footprint of the previous building to build what we need in the configuration that we need it for kids and students, okay? So that's the idea. And that gives us the opportunity then to give them, to give the HOC the entire Coley building to be able to expand what we're doing. So we're rescuing the Rahabs and moving forward in ministry all at the same time. So it's, it's a win-win. Now, um, what we, what we do want to do when we build next door is that the kids and student building would be physically attached probably through the lobby with, uh, with the main sanctuary so that when new families come in, we, ask, we talk about kids' ministry, we say, yes, ma'am, just right this way, and we just walk, walk across the lobby into the kids' ministry building that would be adjacent, okay? That's a much easier conversation, isn't it? So there we go. So that, that's, that's exciting stuff. Are you excited? All right, yay. Now, there's even more good news if you can stand yourself. Um, so, number one, the bid included the removal of the slabs, and we don't want the slabs removed. We want to keep the slabs. 
So we went back to the contractor, and he said, oh, yeah, that'll save you, that'll save you some money. So we're thinking it'll save us between 15 and 20%. Uh, he's renew, He's revising the, the bid, and that should come back to us this week. That should be uh, significantly less, so that even even better than $57,000, and we're excited about that. The second is because of the goodness of God, because of your faithfulness to give in the last two years, uh, God has already provided the money for us to do it immediately. Amen. Right? So we're excited. See, you thought this was a fundraising campaign, and God has already done it. He's already done it, all right? So my, my, my prayer is that just like we prayed over Jeff, that by the time we get done with the next phase, that the money for the following phase is already there so that we just keep going and keep going and keep going. Okay, so we're, we're, we're really excited about that. The, the board, board of Elders and I have talked about it in our last meeting, and we just, couldn't, we just could not wait to get here to tell you about it. Um, and if you have any questions about any of it, then by all means, please let me know. But we were, we were really excited. We just can't think of anything that's more important than being able to push forward with what God's called us to do in, in outreach and in taking care of the ones that he's called us to take care of here in-house as well. Um, let's don't forget the, the mission of our church. The mission of this church, the mission of every Bible-believing church in the world is the same. And that is to do what? Somebody please, in 10 years, Lord help, please tell me. Go make disciples. I was going to resign right on the spot and just, <laughs> just walk away. Go make disciples. That's, that's what Jesus told us to do. If you've got a problem with that, take it up with the boss. That's what the church is called to do. We believe that the vision for fulfilling that mission here at Covenant Life is for us to do that by being real. Hallelujah. I get to say another week. Real, relational, and reaching. That's what God's called us to do. Um, and, and, and so why do we do that? So that everyone can know Jesus, grow in their faith, and then go boldly into their mission field that God's called them to, okay? That's what we're here for. Now, there's lots of details to work out. Please don't ask me the dimensions of anything or how much that the, the building's going to cost. I don't know yet. We're trying to go one step at a time, and, and as soon as we know the details, we'll, everybody will be up to speed. Lots of phases to come, lots of steps, all that stuff. You can ask me, you can ask the elders um, any, any questions that you have, okay? We wanted to bring this to you as fast as we could. But here's, here's what I... Um, I am grateful that God has already brought us to this place where we are just days away from being able to be involved in rescuing these seven Rahabs who've been exploited and, and, and abused in ways that you can't even wrap your mind around. Now, are we going to be able to come in day one and share, um, and share uh, uh, their testimonies? No, because that's private and personal. But we, we do hope that they will choose to come to church here right, to cross the parking lot and let us be a part of, I, I really would be honored if they let me be their pastor and would let you be your, their brothers and sisters in, in helping them on their faith journey. Um, so we're, I'm very grateful for that. They are very grateful. Robbie, can we, can we play this now? They're very grateful to be able to have a place to go and to be ministered to. Now, um, if you're watching by live stream, the, the, you're, you're going to lose audio for about two minutes and the, pic, the, the, the video is just going to be me. 
we're going to show you a video, but we can't air it on the live stream because of security reasons, privacy reasons, okay? But we want to show you uh, some of the ladies who are currently at the HOC. Are, are, are any of these ladies coming here? I have no idea. That's above my pay grade. I, that's not my decision. I don't know. Um, but possibly. But I want you to hear the impact of the ministry and what, they, what it is that they have to say. So let's roll this from the... Amen. That's good stuff. Right? It's good stuff. Here, here's what I know. When you take care of God's kids, God takes care of you. Right? When you, when you take care of the shunned and the broken, when you take care of the outcast and the forgotten, and you welcome them like they're long-lost sisters, I believe it unlocks uh, unlocks spiritual blessings. It, it unlocks opportunities more important than blessings. Opportunities for us to continue to do the work of the Lord. He takes care of his kids. So, John, what do we do? Why, where, where do we go from here? So, uh, the first thing we do is pray. First thing we do is pray. I want to invite you, challenge you, um, to pray the Jericho prayer with me uh, every day between now and the end of the year. Okay? Really, till Jesus comes, but I don't want to overwhelm you. So, like now, the, now until the end of the year, um, if you would do that. So you're like, I didn't have a chance to take that down. Uh, it's on our website. So if you go to covenantlifewestga.org, um, then you can click on the Jericho Project button, and on that site you'll see the Jericho Prayer. Just click on that button, and there it is. Um, I will have some half sheets of paper if you're a paper kind of person. And carry it around with you. I'll have those for you next week. Our copier was uh, not cooperative. Apparently, our copier took the week off for Thanksgiving. So um, we'll, we'll get that to you next week, okay? So I want to invite you to pray with me. Um, we're going to schedule a time soon for us to go, and we'll unlock the gates, and, um, and, and we'll be able to go and walk around the whole property and pray the Jericho prayer together. Um, 
we'll have like a for real Jericho march, all right, and be able to go and walk and pray together and just ask God for his will to be accomplished, all right, so let's, let's pray together. The second thing, you can obviously give. Um, now, you'll be giving towards phase two, okay, which is to either take down some more of the, of the buildings or to start working on uh, construction. It'll just depend on what it all looks like and what all the footprint is and all of that stuff. All those details will come later, but you can give. Um, it's, the end of the, it's almost the end of the calendar year. There are a lot of people and a lot of businesses that are looking to, to kind of close out the end of the year with a, a contribution that's tax deductible. Um, we are a 501c3 because we're a church, so uh, all the gifts are tax deductible. We have a separate Jericho Project account uh, that we keep all donations um, in that account. All donations to the Jericho Project are in a separate fund, really a separate bank than our general operating fund, okay? So you know that anything comes, that comes in designated for the Jericho Project goes there. Um, now, we also just heard from Jeff, uh, Jeff Vaughn, and, and we know that he's got some incredible projects that are going on as well. We're not in competition, all right? We're all God's kids. These are all his ministries. These are all his projects. So you say, oh, John, this is my church, but I really feel drawn that I need to give to Jeff. Then give to Jeff. And the pride, not to Jeff, but to the to the, the, the ministry that he's heading up and the opportunities that are there. There's, no, there's not competition. There's no jealousy, all right? You do what God leads you to do. Give where he says to give. Salt and Light uh, Ministries is also 501c3. It's tax deductible. So if you know a person or a business that's looking for a, a good cause, then these are two great causes for you to give. If, if you want a donation letter, we've drafted a donation letter that if you want to give those to those businesses or individuals, we can, we can make that uh, happen as well. If you want to give uh, just uh, whatever you're comfortable giving, but you want to give it on a regular basis, uh, you can do that through all the means that we use to give regularly here at the church. There's a box that says the Jericho Project. You check that, and that goes into a completely separate account. Okay, um, you can use Secure Give, text to give, bank transfer, checks in person, whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, if you feel led to give, we want to be able to facilitate that and accommodate that the best that we can. All right, Jeff has at his table in the lobby. Jeff's got uh, information for you if you are uh, feel led to give to Salt and Light. There, uh, he's got all the ways for that to happen as well. Okay, Corey, y'all come on and play something. So those are, the, those are the big things, right? Pray and give. And then I think just be ready. Just be ready to do what God tells you to do. Be ready to serve however, however it is that, uh, that he asks us to serve. I, we always try to plan ahead and give you the dates and the times and all of that uh, for anything that, that people are going to need us for. But sometimes things just come up. So uh, if you're on the email list, if you're on the text list, then we'll send those uh, opportunities out, sometimes last minute, sometimes the day before, sometimes it's a day of, but as soon as, when we have an opportunity to serve, um, we'll let you know as fast as we can, and in as many ways as we can, okay? Why don't you stand with me? I appreciate your, uh, your patience in, in, in giving us your time today for this. Um, Man, this was just good. This was exciting. I, from the baptisms to the chance to worship, to hearing what God's already doing through Jeff in the Philippines and, and, uh, and, and the Jericho Project, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I want us to close together in prayer, and, and we already prayed over Jeff and the projects that he's got going on. I'd like for us to pray the Jericho prayer together 
if you don't mind. And then, uh, then I hope that many of you will commit to praying it with me every day for the next, uh, for the next month and a half or so, okay? And when we, uh, when we say amen, we'll be dismissed. Uh, and y'all spend a little time, if you're in person, spend a little time fellowshipping, high-fiving each other, encouraging one another. It's good to see some of your faces I haven't seen in a little while. I'm so glad that you're here. To the families who are here for, uh, for the baptisms, thank you all for coming. We really appreciate that. Thank you for letting us be a part of this special day in your family. All right, let's pray the Jericho prayer together. Father, we just thank you for uh, every good and perfect gift. Lord, we, we recognize that we are not worthy to even be a part of your kingdom. But through your son Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, you made a way for us to be restored in our relationship with you. And we are forever grateful for what you've done. Lord, I thank you for the chance to be a part of, uh, of, of rescuing the Rahabs. I thank you for, for the chance to be a part of, uh, of seeing these women and men and children be able to come uh, back to you, to come back to uh, a regular life that's not, that they don't have to be worried about being abused and mistreated and exploited. And Lord, I just thank you that we have a chance to be a part of that in whatever small way we can. Lord, we pray this Jericho prayer over this project that you've led us to. Lord, we pray, first of all, that Jesus is glorified in everything that we say and do, in every dollar that's spent, in every building that's built, in every renovation, in every piece of furniture, in everything that's done in the name of this project. We pray that it bring glory and honor to you. Lord, I just pray that we stay humble before you, that, we, uh, that you check our motives, and Lord, that we do everything uh, rooted and grounded in your love and humility that you can be glorified in everything. Lord, we pray that every Rahab be rescued around this world, that you would raise up rescuers, God, who are brave and bold and strong to go and to rescue these these people who are in these horrific situations. And I pray, God, that on the other side of this equation, you would also raise up people who are willing to do the hard work of restoration who are willing to get in the trenches with them, to get their hands dirty, to spend long nights with them, just holding them and helping them and encouraging them not to quit and not to walk away. Lord, that that you'll raise up people who will provide the way uh, in whatever ways uh, is necessary, Lord. But we pray for every Rahab to be rescued. Lord, we pray that every resource would be uh, provided for this project, Lord, that you provide every dollar, that you provide all the connections with all the community partners, that you provide favor, that you provide the permits with the local government, that you provide everything that we need, God, to see this project come to fruition for your honor, for your glory, and for the benefit of these people. Lord, we pray that uh, that, that that the tithes and the offerings of this local church would increase. Lord, the people would continue to be faithful to give not just to the project, but to bring into the storehouse what belongs to you so that, uh, so that ministry can continue to go forth. God, I pray that, uh, that we, you would help us to celebrate in faith the victory uh, before we even see it. God, I pray that we celebrate you, that we rejoice, that we give you praise and glory and honor for the completed project before we ever see the, the first wall fall. 
Lord, we just give you glory right now. We celebrate the women who are being rest- who are going to be restored. We celebrate the families that are going to be restored. We celebrate the generations that are going to be changed as a result of the ministry. Lord, we celebrate the buildings that will be built. We celebrate, Lord, the ministry that will go forth before we ever get a chance to open the doors the first time. We celebrate in faith knowing that you are well able. Lord, we pray for harmony and humility in our church. Lord, we pray that there's no division, but that we all come together. We lock arms in unity, in singular purpose for what it is that you're calling us to. Lord, that the only enemies that we face are the, are the spiritual enemies, that we face them together, side by side. Lord, locking arms with the shield of faith, lifted, protecting everybody. And Lord, I pray for overwhelming passion for you, for your, for your work, for your kingdom, Lord, and for your people. Because this is hard work. This is difficult. And Lord, there are going to be times when we want to quit. There are going to be times when we question our decisions. There are going to be times when we just think it's just too hard. And Lord, I pray that you would just overwhelm us with passion that will keep us committed to the task before us. And to remind us what it is that we're doing and why we're doing it. Lord, we just thank you for the chance to be involved in the Jericho Project and every other uh, ministry of this church. We thank you. We praise you. We pray your blessing on it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. You'll have a great day. If you have any questions about anything, you can see me or any of the members of the Board of Elders. We'll be happy to answer them. God bless. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.